I want to talk to you about something that's very important today, however, and that is the fact that the condition of your spirit, how many of you know, it can greatly impact and it can affect your life. And so when we get into difficult times that come our way, it is the strong spirit of a man that's going to sustain him or her in their infirmity. And so troubles come to each and every one of us. They knock on the door of our life. And so the condition of our spirit then will greatly impact and it will affect our lives. It will affect your mind. It will affect your body. It will affect whether you go down in a storm or whether you overcome the storm. Amen? And so I believe this, that godliness is profitable for all things. In that I believe it is the will of God for us to have workouts in the spiritual gymnasium regularly. Amen? Not talking about physical, I'm talking about spiritual. And so we should be in our lives in constant training. We should be training our hearts and training our spirits. You know, we've got the greatest trainer in the entire universe. The Holy Spirit, who can coach us, who can encourage us, who can keep us on track when we get off. Amen? And keep us safe and and, and, and keep us balanced. But I think oftentimes, instead of training to be strong, sometimes we are trying to be strong. When we're trying to overcome temptation, you know what? It's a good chance that temptation will overcome us. It's like trying to run a marathon. You know, you don't try to run a marathon. You train to run a marathon. You know, you don't pick up a violin one day and say, yeah, I think I'll try that and see how that goes. No, you train to learn the violin. If you want to learn French, you've got to know more than parlez-vous français and Marseille. Beaucoup. Amen. You don't just try French out. You've got to train to do it. And spiritually speaking, you don't just try the word, you do the word. You don't just occasionally be a weekend warrior and read the word on the screen as your daily, as your weekly quota. No, you read and you feed regularly. And in reading and in feeding regularly, your spirit, the word, you grow strong. And then, like we said last week, you start then to process the word, which is done by meditating, by chewing the cud, by muttering to yourself. By talking to yourself, by saying about yourself what God has already said about you. Holding fast to the confession of your faith is simply holding fast, believing and saying everything God said about you in his word. Saying the same thing. Saying things like, thank God I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus. I'm born of God and I've overcome the world for greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. The word of God says I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am declaring, I am saying what he said. See, you can't lie by saying about yourself what he already said about you. Amen. And so we left off last week. That not only must we read and feed and process, we must be a doer of God's Word. Now, how many of you know, one way or the other, the storm is going to come? 
God never told us in his word that storms wouldn't come. He told us very clearly that storms will come. It is the foolish man that will sink, but it's the wise man that's going to make it through any storm of life. Why is it? Because he not only hears the sayings of Jesus, but he does the sayings of Jesus, and his life is built on the rock. Amen? Amen? Amen. Say with me, my life life is built on the rock rock of my salvation. All right, now, let's look over at Mark chapter 4, verse 35 through 41. Mark, the fourth chapter. I want to show you three different storms that three different people faced in the Bible and what they did in that storm to overcome that storm. In other words, they were not just hearers of the word, but they were doers thereof. Amen? Now, the first one is found in Mark chapter 4. And we notice in verse 35 through 41, would you read with me? Please read. On the same day, when evening had come, he said to them, let us cross over to the other side. Let's stop right there. You see, his commandments are enablements. His commandments are enablements. What he told us we could do, we can do. Verse 36. Now, when they had left the multitude, they took him along in the boat as he was, And other little boats were also with him. Verse 37. Read with me. And a great windstorm arose, and the waves beat into that boat, so that it was already filling. That's not a great thing, is it? I mean, we've we've got what God said, and yet this is happening. What do we do? what's, What's going on here? Well, notice with me in the next verse, 38. But he was in the stern. What was he doing? You think Jesus was worried about the storm? If he was, he he shouldn't have been asleep. You know, worried people don't sleep very well. Just a thought. And they woke him up and said, Teacher, teacher, do you not care that we are perishing? Verse 39. Then he arose and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, everyone say it, Peace be still. And the wind ceased. So there was a mega storm and then there was a mega calm. But in between the mega storm and the mega calm, there was authority that was exercised. There was dominion that was instituted. Now, Jesus is the one that rose up and said, peace be still. Jesus is the one that rebuked the storm. So the first key in overcoming this kind of a storm, when you're out on the sea of life and all hell breaks loose, follow his example. Don't just sit there in the boat, wringing your hands, twiddling your thumbs, waiting for some sovereign move of God to happen. Rise up! Rise up like Jesus did. And take your authority... And use your authority and rebuke it. See, Jesus said, what you bind on earth is bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth is loosed in heaven. Don't wait for someone else to do what God has already given you the authority to do. See, Jesus said in in Luke, he said, behold, I give unto you power. Everyone say power. Power for what? Power to tread. On serpents and scorpions. 
and over a third of the power of the enemy. No, he said over all the power of the enemy. And then he didn't stop there. He said, and nothing shall by any means hurt you. Now, the storms of life that come to us, they don't have good intentions, do they? They've got bad intentions. Was Katrina a storm of bad intentions? Well, you know it was a storm of bad intentions because of all the bad it did. And by the way, people who say that Katrina was the judgment of God are very wrong. Because you'll find when God judges a place, there ain't nobody left. I mean, what did God do? Oops, I left a few alive. Come on, think about it. When God judges a place, there ain't nobody alive. So where did Katrina come from? Katrina came from a fallen world. Katrina came from the pit of hell. Where did the earthquake of 1989 come from? Trying to spoil our World Series? How dare he? That earthquake, Loma Prieta, that caused the freeway to crunch, that wasn't come from God. Now, God can take a bad thing and turn it around for good. Because when this old earth starts rocking and reeling, come on, somebody. People will call on the name of the Lord. And he'll use it for his glory. But God didn't send the earthquake. God didn't send that tsunami over in Indonesia. Not my God. My God's a good God. Just in case you were wondering, you have authority. You have dominion. So let's do as Jesus did. Let's rebuke the storm. And then the second storm. How many of you know of a guy by the name of Jonah? Jonah. Jonah, where you going, boy? Hey, Jonah, this boat over here is going to Nineveh. This one over here is going to Tarshish. Didn't God tell you to go to Nineveh? Jonah was instructed by the Lord to go to Nineveh, and Jonah went the other way. (laughs) Listen, going going the other way after God's commanded you to go that way is very dangerous. Very dangerous. And Jonah is in the ship. On his way to Tarshish, and all of a sudden, there comes another storm. And this storm had bad intentions. (laughs) And Jonah's asleep down there, and the mariners and the captain are asking themselves, what meaneth this sleeper sleeping on the job? What's he doing? They figured out after many days that the cause of the storm and the cause of the destruction that they were facing was literally Jonah's fault. So what did they do with Jonah? They threw Jonah overboard and Shamu was waiting for him. (laughs) 
Shamu was down there. You see, the Bible says God prepared a great fish. Shamu's waiting for him, and Jonah becomes human sushi. And so, they said, pick him up, throw him into the sea. Then the sea became calm for them. For I know this great tempest is because of Jonah. What opened the door to that storm? It was Jonah's disobedience. It was Jonah's sin. And so Jonah had an awakening. Just like I believe that you can have an awakening today. That is, if you've gotten away from the will of God and the plan of God and gone the other way, and all of a sudden these great big storms have come and you don't know what to do, I'll tell you what to do. Repent. Repent. Change. Go the other way. The Bible says that Jonah was in the belly of the well or the fish for three days and three nights. And in chapter 2, the Bible said, Jonah prayed to God from the fish's belly. And he said, I cried to the Lord because of my affliction. He answered me. Thank God that God answers the prayer of the righteous. You ever been in a place in your life where all hell was breaking loose and you knew and you knew in your heart that you needed to make some adjustments? One or two of you have been there, okay. No, I think all of us have been there. But in making that adjustment, in you turning, which repentance is, you turning, God will turn things around for you. Come on, somebody. And not only in the, in the belly of that great fish to don't, don't pray, but there was some praise going on. Right in the midnight hour, Jonah started praying and he started praising. And in verse 10 it says, So the Lord spoke to the fish and it vomited Jonah onto dry land. How many of you know that praise and repentance sickened Shamu? And praise and repentance will sicken the enemy. Praise and repentance will stop the enemy dead in his tracks. And God will begin to take your situation and he will turn it around for his glory. So, number one, say rebuke the storm. Number two, repent as needed. Then... The third storm that we want to talk about today is the storm that the Apostle Paul faced. The Apostle Paul was on his way to Rome, was he not? And everything was smooth and everything looked great and everything was wonderful. But Paul said to the captain of the ship, he said, look, I have a perception in my spirit. How many of you know that a perception in your spirit is a leading of the Holy Spirit? He says, I perceive that this trip and this voyage will be with much damage. And he warned them. And instead of waiting for the right time to shove off, they were in a hurry. And they shoved off in spite of the warning. How many have ever shoved off in spite of a warning from God? (laughs) 
The Bible says that the south wind blew softly and they began to take off. And they started moving in the direction toward Rome. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there came Eurekulodon. Eurekulodon was a huge, massive storm. And that ship was headed for trouble. Now pick it up in Acts chapter 27. Acts, the 27th chapter. Thank you, Lord. I said, thank you, Lord. Thank God for the mercy of God. My point on this one is sometimes in these storms, you just need to ride it out. You need to ride certain things out. In verse 21 of Acts chapter 27, and I'm going to read from the King James because I don't have the New King James with me right here. But it says, after long abstinence, Paul stood forth in the midst of them and said, Sirs, you should have hearkened to me and not have loosed from Crete and to have gained this harm and loss. They were, they were losing. And he says, but now I exhort you to be of good cheer. For there shall be no loss of any man's life among you, but of the ship. For there stood by me this night the angel of God, whose I am and whom I serve. And you know, the angel of God brought forth a message of faith, not a message of fear. He said, fear not, Paul. For you must be brought before Caesar, and lo, God has given you all them that sail with you. And so Paul spoke up and he says, Wherefore, sirs, be of good cheer, for I believe God. I believe that it shall be even as it was told me, howbeit we must be cast upon a certain island. But when the fourteenth night was come, as you were driven up and down to Adria about midnight, the shipmen deemed that their crew was near to the same country. And they went through a lot of situations. They went through where they had to throw things over, not people. Thank God the lives of them were spared, but there was still great loss and great harm. You know, sometimes in life, we face storms because of other other people's stupidity. We face storms because some people got in a hurry and moved out too quickly, and it affected and impacted our life. But I've got good news for you. The same angel that stood by Paul will stand by you if your heart is right before God. And he will encourage you to make it through that storm. You might have to ride it out for a few days, but at the end of the day, you're going to make it to Rome. You're going to make it to your place that God has called you to be. Three storms. One needs to be rebuked. One, we may need to repent. The third, we just need to ride out. Now I want to talk to you just for a few moments this morning about how important it is in your spirit conditioning to have other people around you that are encouragers. (laughs) Come on, son. Will somebody help me with this for a few moments? Many times I have discovered in my life that God will help me through another person. That He will bring strength. He will bring resources. He will bring encouragement. And He will even bring divine hookups and Holy Ghost connections through another believer. 
If you want to be strong in your spirit, you must not be a lone ranger. There is strength that can come through divine relationships. And it's so important that in the local church that we just don't come to church and say hallelujah, give somebody a high five and see them next month. I mean, did I say next month? I mean next week. In the book of Ecclesiastes, just listen these next few moments as I bear my heart to you. It says two people are better than one. That's the scripture that Brenda gave me when she said, why won't you marry me now? And Mrs. Thomas did not raise any fools. Basically, she was saying, fool, I'm here right now. You better take me now, because if you don't take me now, somebody else is going to take me. And she literally moved from Tulsa after we graduated to Florida. Went all the way down to Florida and started witnessing on the street, started preaching for Norval Hayes. I called her one day. I said, how are you doing, Brent? I heard all these guys in the background. I went to my supervisor and I said, can I have a few days off? I got me an airline ticket and I flew down to Florida and I said, baby, we're going home. We're getting married July 22nd. Come on. That was the end of that. Hey, thank you. <laughs> Literally, we drove all the way home from Florida. And I was happy. And the night we got married, I knew that her brothers and her relatives were going to try to take her and kidnap her for an hour or two after the ceremony. So I got me some of those, whatchamacallit, handcuffs. And when Ricky tried to grab her and take her, I said, look at here, look at here. I had a handcuff. <laughs> Drove to our honeymoon. Before we went to our honeymoon, which was at the Hilton, we stopped at Sonic. Hey, come on, what's wrong with that? <laughs> Got a cherry limeade. What you talking about? Got some tater tots. Hey. Anyway, two are better than one. <laughs> When we talked about getting married, I said, well, I don't know if I want to leave all this. Fool. She looked at me, leave what? I didn't have a bed. I didn't have a car. I was sleeping on the floor. She knew that I needed mind renewal. Thank God for a good wife. Two are better than one. For they can help one another succeed. They can stand against the storms together. If one person falls, the other person can reach out and help. But someone who falls alone is in real trouble. You see, a person is only truly destitute when they are void of relationships. So get yourself fully connected with other believers. Get around some people that are happy and stable and faithful and blessed. I said happy and stable and fruitful and blessed. Another way to say it is high school football. Happy, stable, fruitful, and blessed. Get around them. Paul, addressing the church at Corinth, said, You know, when we arrived in Macedonia, we were, there was no rest for us. We faced conflict in every direction. You ever been there? With battles on the outside. 
<laughs> Can I get a witness? <laughs> yes. With battles on the outside, fear on the inside. But God, everyone say, but God. But God. See, God encourages those who are discouraged. He encouraged us by sending Titus. And his presence, the Bible says, it was a joy. But so was the news that he brought of the encouragement that he received from you. Outside there was conflict. Inside there was fear. Paul faced unbelievable persecution, concerns and uncertainty. Conflict on every angle causing him and his entourage to almost be to the point of depressed and sinking. But God will send a Titus your way. He will send a Barnabas your way. He'll send someone today with help on the way. Now listen, this is a big key now because this will help you be an instrument of encouragement to other people. Now there are Two ways that Titus helped Paul and his people. Number one, by his presence. And number two, by his words. God will enable you, he will enable me, and he will empower us to come alongside other people to help them. Do you want to be able to do that? I said in the early service there are basically four types of people. There's adders. Subtractors, there's multipliers, and there's dividers. I encourage you to maximize the adders and the multipliers in your life. And minimize the subtractors and the dividers. Because the the subtractors and the dividers will sap strength right out of you. Look at your neighbor and say, God wants to use you. And God wants to use me. To be an encourager. And so to do that, we must stop the victim mentality. We must stop this attitude of, oh, I'm just so stuck in a season. It's a new season. It's a new day. It's time to get out of that season and get into, come on, I know I'm preaching all right now. See, the enemy wants to keep us in a cage, in a mindset that will never, ever get out of this and try to hold us back and limit us. Let me just read to you in 2 Corinthians another verse. It says, And praise to God. Everyone say, praise to God. Praise to God, God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. God is our merciful Father and the source of all comfort. He comforts us in all of our troubles so that we may comfort others. When they are troubled, and we will be able to give them the same comfort that God has given us. Listen to this in the message. All praise to God and the Father of our Master, Jesus the Messiah, Father of all mercy, God of all healing counsel. He comes alongside us when we go through hard times. And before you know it, He brings us along someone else that is going through hard times so that we can be there for that person just as God was there for us. Listen very carefully. Just as hurting people hurt people, healed people heal people. Found people find people. 
Free people. Free people. And comforted people. Comfort people. And you do this just sometimes, guys, just by being a friend. Just by being there. Just by walking into a situation that may be filled with tragedy and filled with anxiety and filled with depression, just you walking in the room is a statement. Blessed are the peacemakers. You see, your presence and your words are either going to help or hurt. And so we must be very careful and responsible. Everyone say responsible. And intentional about our presence and our words. Be led by the Spirit. Don't walk into a situation where people are hurting and people are down and say, What's wrong with you? I'm here. Don't you know faith man has just come on the scene. They may want to throw a left hook at you. Never be a part also of increasing fear or discouragement. Be a blessing. Here's a golden rule to go by. Either build up or hush up. Either build up or hush up. And you know what? You don't have to tell people how God's going to get them out of it. You, you, don't have to, you don't have to just give everybody the forecast for the next 30 days. God's going to do this. He's going to do that. And you're going to do this. You're going to go here. And everything's going to be all right. Uh-uh. Just you being there and saying something general. A general word of encouragement oftentimes is better than trying to go into all the specifics. I want you to look at this when we, as we close. Isaiah chapter 35 and notice with me in verse 4. Isaiah 35 and verse 4, and we'll look at the King James. I know I'm confusing the people in the booth because I've gone about 25 different directions, but how many of you know that God is good? Here's what, here's what we say to them. Here's what you can say to people. Read it with me. Say to them that are of a fearful heart, be strong, fear not. Behold, your God will come with vengeance, even God with a recompense. I just want you to know I'm here with you. I love you. I'm standing with you. And you know what? Our God is a good God. And we know that ultimately you will make it through. Everyone say, be strong. Be strong. Don't, be Don't be afraid. God will come, God will come. and save you. Yes. Hallelujah. So be an encourager. As you're strong in your spirit and you're healthy in your spirit, the greater of an encouragement you will be to others. And listen, ladies and gentlemen, if you're going through a tough time, how many of you are just going through a real tough time right now? There's several of you. You're just going through a difficult time. Get on your knees before God and worship Him and kneel before Him and humble yourself under the mighty hand of God and go to a holy God and say, God, I know you're God. 
And I'm facing this difficulty right now, but I humble myself under your mighty hand. And I'm asking you, sir, to come with your grace and power. I'm asking you for heaven's help. Don't you know that he hears that cry? That's a cry of humility. That's a cry of faith. And I'm telling you, God is well pleased with a humble and a contrite heart. You don't have to go before God acting like you're all that because everyone knows you ain't all that. And you don't have to go before God acting like you've got it all together because you don't have it all together. He's the one that's got it all together. And He's the one that can uphold us. He's the one that can lift us. I found me a verse of Scripture, Richard, that says the eyes of the Lord, they're running to and fro throughout the whole earth to show Himself strong. Come on. To show Himself strong on my behalf and your behalf. His ears are open to the cries of the saints and open to the prayers of the righteous. Let's call unto Him right now. Let's all stand to our feet. Amen. Father, thank You. Let's call upon the Lord. Call upon Him this morning. Hallelujah. Father, we thank You for the Word of God today. We thank You for what we sense in the realm of the Spirit that is taking place in this church and in your body worldwide.